Matt Whitaker, former U.S. Acting Attorney General. This is such a great conversation about America, our future, what's going to save our republic. We have a great football player. Matt Whitaker is here. Matt. They tried to bury me. They didn't realize I was a C. Former Acting U.S. Attorney General. Under President Trump. I'm going to be an unwavering supporter of law enforcement. Welcome to Liberty and Justice with your host, Matt Whitaker. Welcome back. Matt Whitaker. I'm here with Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, Matt, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. Um, CPAC, isn't this the best time I every year? It. It, it is awesome. People are, Texas. people are energized. They're excited. I'm thrilled that it's in Texas. I mean, Texas, you know, you compare it to D.C. and, and <laughs> Texas is the land of the free. Yeah, it really is. So you, you were here earlier doing a book signing. Yep. And I want to tell me about your new book. And um, it's about the Supreme Court, I know that, called One Vote. One Vote Away. One Vote Away. How a single Supreme Court seat can change history. And uh, it was the number one bestseller on Amazon. And I've actually got a brand new book coming out next month. Uh, called prolific. Called Justice Corrupted, How the Left Has Weaponized the Legal System. And and both of them are, are right up your alley. And so yeah. I got, well. I, 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 the, the, the new book that's coming out, which you can pre-order on Amazon. Yes. Justice I'll make corrupted. sure I link it on the show. Um, the new book, you you will find a particular interest because it traces the politicization and the weaponization of the Department of Justice and the FBI. And what Richard Nixon tried to do, to use the machinery of government to go after his political enemies, and by and large, the government resisted Nixon's efforts, Barack Obama succeeded in doing. And, and weaponized the Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS, and then, as you know well, during the Trump administration, many of those hard partisans burrowed into the deep state and used the machinery of government to wage war on Donald Trump and at a level never before seen. And now, under Joe Biden, uh, we are seeing, I think, the most politicized and partisan Department of Justice and FBI we've ever seen. Yeah, and I know you just had Director Ray in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and it seemed like he would never answer uh, and did, doesn't even recognize the two-tiered system of justice that all of us see. The fact that you can have riots, right. uh, uh, an attack on the White House that put the president in the bunker. No one prosecuted, churches burned, but you have you know, a similar riot, similar city, and those people are prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Yeah, and, and I'm deeply frustrated. Look, you worked with Chris Ray when, yep. when you were acting attorney general. I've, I've known Chris 20 plus years. Yep. Um, I have been deeply disappointed with the job he's doing. And here's why. I actually, I don't think Chris is himself politicized. I think he's a company man. And I think he's been unwilling to take on the, the partisanship and politicization in his senior leadership at the FBI. And I think it gets exacerbated that, that he views his job as protect the institution, yep. which I've made the case to him I, offline. I've said, you, you want to protect the institution? Root out the partisanship, return the FBI to being an apolitical law enforcement agency. That's the single biggest thing you could do for the FBI, but, but for whatever reason, he hadn't been willing to do yeah, so. Yeah, and I watched with great interest uh, when you showed the intelligence bulletin 
holding something. I think your speech today mentioned it. You yep. talked about the symbols, really, of the conservative right, and now they somehow they link that. They say, well, if you use the Gadsden flag or yep. you know Rodriguez flag, which is on the back of your yep. boots, and you set it up on the <laughs> dais, or even the Betsy Ross flag, that somehow you know you are a militia member and you need to be investigated. It, it, it is. Look, these are the biases and prejudices of the hard left. And they're used to justify targeting conservatives. They're used to justify targeting their political enemies. And amazingly enough, the FBI won't focus and go after Antifa, won't designate Antifa as a terrorist organization, won't focus and go after Black Lives Matter, which is an explicitly Marxist organization founded by avowed Marxists. You look at the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots, they produced over $2 billion of damage across this country, that they injured thousands of police officers, and yet the Department of Justice treats, and the FBI treat it as if it, it, it's just a walk in the park. Yeah. It, it, it is. is similar and akin to Chicago gang violence. Well, and, and look, let, let's you and I talk about, so the second part of my questioning of, of Chris Ray. So, as you well know, the Department of Justice announced a great fanfare, a prosecution against what they said was a plot to kidnap and murder the gover governor yep. of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. And look, when that news broke, people were like, holy crap, that's, yep. that's really bad. And if these guys did this, they should be locked up a long time. So, so initially you saw the news. Well, as you know, those cases went to trial. Four defendants, not a single defendant was convicted on even a single count. Two of them were acquitted across the board. The other two got mistrials. The principal defense was entrapment, that the FBI actively entrapped and enticed them. And there was testimony at trial that the guys involved in it wanted out. They said, I don't want to do this. It's a bad idea. Let's not go through with it. And the FBI, the FBI's paid informant were like, no, we must kidnap her. We must murder her. And planted the idea, pushed the idea, drove the idea that it was the FBI driving that effort. Now look, you've been a U.S. Attorney, you've been Acting Attorney General of the United States. Let me ask you, on, an, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big a screw-up is, is it to have no defendant convicted on even a single account and yeah. the reason for it explicitly being the misconduct of the FBI? Well, it's, 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 it's un, un, incomprehensible. And in my experience, you don't bring a case unless you have a reasonable likelihood, or a standard maybe even higher, to, to, that you will win at trial. Yep. You don't bring cases, and this is why the Department of Justice, whether it's a plea agreement or whether it's a trial, 99.9% yeah. of they the cases... They win almost everything. Yeah, win almost everything. And so to lose at trial is a big deal. To lose all counts against all defendants is... is, is and then to have it based on an entrapment defense, I mean, it's, is extraordinary. And even worse than that, so I asked Chris Ray yesterday, I said, okay, of the FBI agents who did this, how many have been reprimanded or disciplined? He would refuse to answer. None of your business. I'm not yeah, going to talk yeah. about that. And that's they always. That's my experience too. Even as when I was at, in the fifth floor at the Department of Justice, you ask the FBI about any personnel matter, and they are very circle the wagons. And Chris would always remind me, and and, I, and I've known Chris not as long as you have, but almost as long as he was the head of the criminal division yeah. uh, in the Bush administration. And Chris at, at the FBI would left me with the impression of Matt. I'm the only political appointee here. There's 40,000 approximately employees at the FBI, and I have to have their confidence. If I lose their confidence, I can't do anything. And so we have to call, follow the processes and the procedures. We have to honor all the systems. But you know, you build, sometimes these institutions build these systems to protect 
themselves instead of having the transparency of the and, American and people And he deserve. hasn't been willing to take on the politicization and root it out. Yeah. And the last set of questions I asked him, I said, okay, so the special agent in charge of the Detroit office, the field office that led this entire investigation, yeah. the prosecution, the bungled prosecution, what happened to him? And the answer is he got promoted, he got sent to D.C., and he's now the lead FBI person on the January 6th investigations and prosecutions. Right. Like, holy crap. <laughs> and, and by the way, Chris's defense, well, he was just in charge of the office. It yeah, wasn't his right. fault. It's a big office. I know I was watching it. Whatever very happened to the buck stops here, like if you're in charge of an office that does that, right. in, in corporate America, at a law firm, look, you, you've been at a private law firm. If you're in charge of a, a, a law firm practice that screws up that badly, you're probably out of a job. At this FBI, if your politics line up with the politics of the other deep staters, you get promoted. Yeah. And, and I gotta say, how is a criminal defendant wrapped up in January 6th supposed to feel remotely like they're getting a fair shake at justice when you have someone who's already been in charge of a deeply messed up prosecution and an entrapment? No, you're absolutely right. And we're not even gonna have time to touch on Senator Grassley and Senator Johnson's concerns. And I this I knew this for a fact that this was happening. Media that's closely aligned with these folks calls them up and says, how about this Hunter Biden story? Is there anything yep. to it? And they're like, no, 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 nothing to see there. Disinformation, you know, the intelligence community comes out, of course, and says, and, and that's a, that's extraordinary. When they can, right, so, when they so can throw people question, off the set. Matt, you've been a prosecutor a long time. So Hunter Biden has online, you can see it, videos of him with naked prostitutes, with crack cocaine, waving around a gun. Yep. Now, if you or I did that, what would happen? You would be prosecuted as a drug user in possession of a firearm. Like, on the face of yeah. it, he's committing multiple felonies, but because daddy's at 1600 Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue, yeah. apparently this Department of Justice, it is a double standard and it's wrong. Yeah. Well, Senator Cruz, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, thank you for welcoming us to Texas. Uh, what a great state. We'll do this again soon. Thank you, my friend. All right, my friend. Because we talked about it so much, I wanted to include the FBI Director Chris Ray being questioned by Senator Ted Cruz recently on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Here's the full interaction. Director Ray, I'm deeply concerned that the FBI and the Department of Justice have become thoroughly politicized. I think this is a problem that began during the Obama administration. I think it metastasized with career officials during the Trump administration, and I think it continues and is even worse today under the Biden administration. I don't believe you personally reflect that politicization, but I think you've been unwilling to root it out and unwilling to hold people accountable for the politicization I hear regularly from FBI agents and from professionals at the Department of Justice who are dismayed that our law enforcement has been weaponized and politicized rather than remaining apolitical as it has been for the history of our country. Yesterday, it was reported that Project Veritas had obtained a copy of an FBI training material which listed various symbols and themes which in the FBI's estimation were indicative of, quote, militia violent extremism. Now, these symbols weren't things like the Ku Klux Klan or the Nazi Party, which naturally 
would-be symbols of that. But instead, they included, rather astonishingly, patriotic symbols of our nation and our history. Included on this list is the Betsy Ross flag. Now, that's fairly remarkable that the Betsy Ross flag and the FBI's indication is indicative of violent uh, militia violent extremism, because among other people who have been publicly alongside the Betsy Ross flag, we have President Barack Obama, who was sworn in directly underneath two Betsy Ross flags. But it's not just President Obama. We also have President Biden, who was sworn in under Betsy Ross flags. It's not just the Betsy Ross flag. Also on this list is the Gadsden flag as a symbol of violent extremism. Now, the state of Virginia has a license plate for the Gadsden flag, as do many other states. I think people would be astonished to find that having that license plate, the FBI indicates that you're a violent extremist. Also included on this is a text that I was particularly struck is the Gonzales battle flag. Come and take it as indicative of being a violent extremist militia. Well, I will self-report right now that every day in the Senate, I wear my boots that have the Gonzalez battle flag on the back of them. Director Ray, what are y'all doing? This makes no sense. Do you, do you agree with this FBI guidance that the Betsy Ross flag and the Gadsden flag and the Gonzalez battle flag are signs of militia violent extremism? Well, Senator, I, I'm not familiar with the particular document you have behind you, uh, and I'm not in the practice of trying to comment on documents that I haven't uh, recognized, but I will tell you that when we put out intelligence products, including ones that reference symbols, which we do across a wide variety of contexts, we usually, uh, make great pains, take great pains to put uh, caveats and warnings in the document that make clear that a symbol alone is not considered evidence of violent extremism. Uh, and it's well, but Director Ray, you don't gone. include things like Antifa. You don't include things like Black Lives Matter. Instead, you identify patriotic Americans as suspects. And I would note there's a pattern of this. As you're aware, the National Association of School Boards asked the Attorney General to investigate parents as domestic terrorists under the Patriot Act. Now, it did so because it was upset about moms and dads coming to school boards and disagreeing with the policies of those schools. Five days after that letter, the Attorney General sent a memo to you directing the FBI to target parents for investigation. Since that time, the National Association of School Boards has apologized for the letter because it was so indefensible, but that hasn't stopped the FBI. In fact, you've created a specific threat tag ed, uh, directed at parents. So let me ask you, how many moms and dads who have spoken up at school boards has the FBI interviewed or investigated since the memo from the Attorney General? Well, first off, I'll say I'm not aware of any. But second, let me address the issue. You're not aware of any? Like the House of Representatives has written you and asked you about it. If you would let me. So please answer. Uh, Let me say to you and to this committee 
the same thing I said to every FBI field office after I read the memo, which was that the FBI is not going to be in the business of investigating speech or policing speech at school board meetings or anywhere else, uh, and that we're not about to start now, that threat violence, threats of violence, that's a different matter altogether, and there we will work with our state and local partners as we always have. So, Director now, you Ray, asked about, Director, you asked Ray, about Director Ray, our time is, are, do you know how many parents you have interviewed or investigated since that, that memo? I am aware that we have had a small number of assessments, which is less than an investigation, and a few full investigations. Not, hold on, hold so on, how many hold, hold on. Well, let me finish. I, I'm just I'm asking you a question. That, our time is limited. I don't know the number, but did not okay, but, well, well, but wait, let me finish. That are not necessarily of parents. We have individuals who have made threats against a variety of people. Sometimes school board officials, sometimes other okay, people as Director well. Director Ray, I, I will point out the House of Representatives has sent you oversight letters detailing dozens of investigations under a threat tag directed at parents, parents, moms and dads who G-men have come in because they spoke out against mass mandates or vaccine mandates or critical race theory, and suddenly the G-men show up. And this was after the Attorney General claimed it wasn't happening. And so the pattern, sadly, we've seen, you say you don't know how many there are. The follow-up will be, I'll send you a letter, and you'll send back a letter that says, I refuse to answer it. Let me give one, another example. Recently, there was the case against individuals charged with kidnapping and murdering Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. That case ended up an absolute debacle where the four people who went to trial, two of them were acquitted, two received mistrials, None of them were convicted on even a single charge, and the basis of the defense was entrapment, that the FBI, that paid enforcements for the FBI, had suggested and had incited the conduct. Let me ask you, how many FBI agents were disciplined or reprimanded after that disastrous case and the misconduct that led to every defendant being acquitted or having a mistrial on every charge? Uh, Senator, I can't comment on a personal matter. I can tell you that that case, as I understand it, is now pending a, uh, a retrial, as I understand it. Well, the special agent in charge of that case has now been sent to D.C., to the Washington, D.C. office, and now leads the investigation regarding January 6th. Is that correct? That doesn't sound right to me. That does not sound right. The, the, the name of the individual is Stephen D'Antuno. He was, he was run out of the FBI Detroit field office. And by the way, I will point okay. out that the lead investigator, Special Agent Track, are you aware that he was apparently fired for allegedly beating his wife after coming home from a swingers party and he'd made multiple derogatory political posts about President Trump showing political bias? Are you aware of that? I am aware of, I think, the incident you're describing uh, and action that was taken about it. Uh, to clarify on the first part of your question, uh, Mr. D'Antuano was the special agent in charge of the office, uh, the Detroit field office, and is now the assistant director in charge of the Washington field office. I thought you were asking about the agent who was responsible for the So the guy in charge got promoted and is now in charge of the January 6th investigation. The guy in charge of the whole Detroit field office is now in charge of the whole Washington field office. That is astonishing. As a bonus to this podcast, I wanted to include my most recent uh, television hit on Fox and Friends, which aired Friday, um, August 12th. Let's bring in uh, Matthew Whitaker, former acting attorney general under Donald Trump. Matt, good morning to you. 
Good morning. Okay, so the nuclear weapon angle certainly changes it. It's not like, uh, you know, they didn't uh, turn over a menu from a state dinner or a napkin or a note from Kim Jong-un. This apparently is alleged to be something called a special access program document, which is higher than top secret. You know all about that. You can't even... You can't uh, reveal any of that stuff in public. We can't talk about that, Steve. You, we, you can't. <laughs> exactly right. So what, what we can talk about is what the people can expect to see today. If the deadline was 3 o'clock, Donald Trump is now encouraging the Department of Justice to release the subpoena. What are we going to see? When are we going to see it? And will we ever see the affidavit, which is the roadmap to why they wound up there? No, you're right. And good morning and greetings from Iowa. This um, s- subpoena... Uh, and the search warrant together with the inventory is going to tell us a little bit. And, and what's going to be a really frustrating, I think, for a lot of us that are following this very closely is that the inventory is going to be redacted. We saw that in the Department of Justice's motion yesterday. So anything um, that is going to be classified or named is going to be described in a very generic fashion. So I'm not sure that just the cover page of the warrant together with the inventory is going to give us what we want because to your point what we really want to see and what i think most people uh that have law enforcement experience want to see is the sworn affidavit that actually lays out the probable cause and the reason for uh this search of mar-a-lago it could include such as uh statements from uh individuals who had knowledge uh recent knowledge of What's at Mar- what was at Mar-a-Lago, and I think that's the most important thing, but I'm not sure we're ever going to see that, or if we do, it won't be until a case is charged, which is typical for cases like this. Yeah, well, to that point, Mayor Garland said that it was authorized because of probable cause. Jackie Heinrich, our reporter in Washington, said a federal law enforcement source told her the probable cause for a search warrant very likely came from a Secret Service member. We obviously don't know if that's the case, but that's what the sources are telling her. Is that what you imagine happened? I mean, the people at Mar-a-Lago are people that work for him or uh, his family or members of Mar-a-Lago and then also Secret Service. So I know the judge in this case has been a little controversial, but the standard is typically that you want the probable cause and the information that supports that probable cause to issue this uh, warrant to be fresh. And so they're going to have to have had someone with recent knowledge of where this evidence was and, and you know, what the crime that was allegedly committed um, would be. And so, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation as to who or if and uh, but it seems to me that that would be a typical situation. You would have an in, a person uh, with recent knowledge uh, that had talked to the FBI about this confidential or classified information. So, Matt, the way we understand it is June 6th, they have this meeting. The president drops by and says, anything you guys need, I appreciate what you do. June 22nd, someone allegedly comes forward, might have been Secret Service that speculated and said, he's got some top secret stuff you should take a look at. And here's where it's located. So they finally decide to cut off communication. They get the warrant. They still hold on to the warrant for a couple of days. It's such an emergency. And then they got to wait for him to leave in order not to cause a scene. So he's gone in New Jersey and New York City. And then they raid his place. And the word is the Justice Department did it in a low-profile way not to create this firestorm. How clueless are they to think they could just line up with guards, take over a compound for nine hours with the FBI and countless trucks, along with aerial, I think, with airplanes, and not think it's going to create a firestorm? 
How much of an emergency can it be if they hold on to the warrant for a couple of days and don't do anything? Brian, you're absolutely right. This has caused a complete firestorm. They should have anticipated. And it does demonstrate how insulated on the fifth floor the Department of Justice is. You know, Merrick Garland said one thing that I just disagree with. And he said that this, you know, obviously DOJ policy, they need to use the least intrusive means for obtaining this evidence. In this case, they went in with, you know, dozens of agents uh, to execute a search warrant. And, and there, there had to be a way to not cause this firestorm. They didn't want to do it. They wanted... Uh, this attention, and they wanted to, uh, I think, demonstrate really? that Donald Trump. They is wanted under this attention. They wanted this attention. You I, think? There were Brian. There's so many other ways to get this information. Either to continue to negotiate, to continue. You, they could have turned up uh, the heat with a, a, a second subpoena. They could have. You know, I mean, there's just. They took this step and they crossed a line that they intentionally did, and they knew that it was going to cause this. Uh, firestorm and and now they have it and it seems yep. to me that they're trying they didn't get what they wanted when they executed the search warrant so they're trying to walk it back it's going to be very interesting in the coming days what we learn like for example is this have anything to do with January 6th did they go in there on one premise and they trying to pull out things to help an investigation Matt thank you very much for joining us from Iowa why are you in Iowa for you're the not there game? are you, you live uh, there field of dreams? I was at the I was at the field of dreams game last night and I'm going to the state fair today nice. so uh, it's gonna be a are great day in with Iowa. You? Uh, of course and what in fact one of them's working at the corn dog stand oh uh, the whole excellent fair. and just out of curiosity are you wearing Bermuda shorts right now I don't want to talk about what is my my lower half, but you know how to. You know you're a professional. You know how this is done. We He's know exactly. How it He's is. not allowed to tell that classified information either. That's right. You know at the state fair they have those jars, and you can put a corn kernel in who you're voting for, or who you think will win, and they're never wrong. It's interesting, but that's usually during a presidential election. I yeah, think, isn't during it? the caucus years. Yep, they had Teddy Roosevelt. All right, uh, <laughs> listen, Matt. Thank you very much for joining us. Go have something wrapped in bacon. It will be fried for sure. <laughs> <laughs> College right. football player from Iowa. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. Uh, meanwhile.